Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us, but truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Welcome to all those fellow Mavericks and those fellow Misfits that are listening today. Grateful that you have tuned in. This is Jeff, and I'm thankful to be able to speak to you today. Grateful for you guys that are listening to the podcast. My hope is that you'll tell others about it, that you'll share it, that you will rate and review it. All of that stuff is a digital process that helps us reach more people, and you can be kind of um, a partner with us in that way. We never ask for money on Mavericks and Misfits. We don't try to make any kind of uh, profit. Uh, This thing is sustained by Transforming Truth Ministry, and so this is just the only thing we ask of our our listeners is that you will rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll help us to get the word out. Why are we doing Mavericks and Misfits? Just a reminder that uh, we're living in a generation where God is doing something new in our culture as pertains to the gospel, it pertains to Christianity, not that it hasn't ever been done before, but that um, generationally, every now and then, the Lord will choose a certain season, an epic, an era that uh, he wants to work in reformation. He wants to bring change to the expression of Christianity in that generation. And we are in the midst of one of those. And the result is that God is raising up um, mavericks. And when I use that word, I don't mean rebels in the sense of, um, you know, reckless or completely independent or unaccountable. But a maverick is somebody who bucks the system because the system isn't working. And because of that, we often find ourselves as misfits. That means the status quo version of Christianity holds no allure for us and it has no place for us. And so that's the reason I've called this Mavericks and Misfits. And uh, listen, I'm not pouting about it. I'm not whining about it. I'm not, you know, stomping my feet and demanding to be heard. I'm, I'm a maverick by choice and I'm a misfit because of the consequences of just refusing to submit um, my heart, my life, uh, my understanding of the gospel, to refuse it to a tiny, to submit it to a f- tiny little boxed-in version of Christianity. God doesn't fit in any of our boxes, and God doesn't. No matter what slice of uh, the church you you kind of call your tribe, um, denominationally, philosophically, theologically, I just want to go ahead and speak a humbling word that none of us have a corner on the market of truth. Uh, God is far too um, vast and measurable and glorious to fit inside perfectly one set of expressions of Christianity. And so we're always growing. We're always learning. We're always gaining deeper revelation from the word of God. And we should always be in a state of transformation. And that's what Mavericks and Misfits is all about. It's just taking moments to think Yes, think through what we believe, why we believe it, how we're expressing it, and to question ourselves regularly, are we actually living out the gospel as it is given? And not just the gospel in the sense of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, but the gospel in the sense of the, the revelation of God's word, which includes the gospels, uh, the books of the gospels, the historical books, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the book of Revelation. So 
Anyway, um, I'm charged up this morning. I'm actually going to do something I don't do very often on Mavericks and Misfits. I'm just going to uh, take a passage of scripture and just kind of charge us out of it this morning. I don't have a, a massive theme running through me right now other than the fact that we're in the midst of a season where God is tearing things down and raising things up. This is a cleansing season. It is a purifying season. It is a season where the voice of God is speaking through the scriptures, through the Holy Spirit, and he's calling his people to a deep, deep consecration. He's pulling things out of us and off of us that don't belong, and he is um, imparting to us things that we've been missing or things that have been neglected or things that have been at a low level. And my guess is is that you are um, one of those people that are, are sensing the Lord calling you in deeper, uh, calling you to a higher sense of holiness and purity, that he's calling you into um, living what you say you believe and that you're uncomfortable with compromises that may have been in your life in seasons past. You just can't bear the thought of continuing that way. God is destroying apathy from the true church. Um, He is literally, I believe, um, working right now to begin to separate those that are contaminated with superficial Christianity, cultural Christianity, um, comfort zone Christianity, and that he's separating those from the people who are forerunners, fiery people, not necessarily in personality and temperament, but fiery in the soul, um, who are hungering and thirsting after righteousness, who are willing to lay down their lives and take up their cross and follow Jesus daily and deny themselves. Those are the people that God's raising up right now. And in that, that element of denying yourself will be a part of your faith. And if you refuse to deny yourself, you will stagnate and you will come to a place where you will be categorized by the Almighty as lukewarm. And those, the destiny of those that are lukewarm um, or is, is not pleasant. He spits them out of his mouth. He can't stand the taste of lukewarmness in his people. And so we are, we are pressing out of the cold, out of the lukewarm, and into the hot into the fiery, into the burning flame of hearts that have been transformed by the gospel, by the person of Jesus Christ, through the work of the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to talk about today. So let me read to you just a handful of verses out of Isaiah 42. And I want to talk to you about what God is doing. Can I give it that blunt of a title? What God is doing. And I think this speaks prophetically. Historically, it speaks to ancient Israel, but prophetically and in, in, in application, it speaks to us right now about some of the things that God is doing. And so in Isaiah 42, and if you've got a copy of the Bible on your phone, on your tablet, or if you're, if you're driving, please just drive and let me read these words to you. But if you want to follow along in Isaiah 42, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And this is what it says Thus says God the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I've called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name, my glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things 
I now declare before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. And then I'm going to give you these verses, just a few verses down in verse 13. The Lord goes out like a mighty man, like a man of war. He stirs up his zeal. He cries out. He shouts aloud. He shows himself mighty against his foes for a long time. I have held my peace. I have kept still and restrained myself. Now I will cry out like a woman in labor. I will gasp and pant. I will lay waste mountains and hills and dry up all their vegetation. I will turn the rivers into islands and dry up the pools. And I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. These are the things I do, and I do not forsake them. So that's reading from Isaiah 42, most of the verses between verse 5 and down into verse number 16. He says, these are the things I do and I do not forsake them. So what are, what are the things that God is doing? What is God doing right now? And I'm basing this on the everlasting word um, from the God who never changes, the God who is the same yesterday in ancient Israel today and as we move into the future god never changes so the things that are expressed in scripture that were important to god still are important to god and as we pray for discernment and the spirit of wisdom and revelation according to ephesians 1:17 we will become people who can discern how god is moving in our generation it's similar to the sons of issachar those sons of Issachar were individuals who understood the times that they were living in and could discern what Israel was to do. And in that same spirit in every generation, there are people who know who the Lord is, who know his written revelation, who know his heart, and they are able to discern what he is doing. They, they actually spend time seeking his face and then they come from that place, that secret place of, of being with God, and they look at the world around them, and they are able to see through the filter of God's heart and God's ways and God's word what God is doing in the earth right now. And then it says about the sons of Issachar that they know what their, their nation, Israel in that case, is to do. And so my point in sharing this on today's episode of Mavericks and Misfits is that the sons of Issachar are being raised up in our generation, and you can be one of them. You can be a person who knows what God is doing, who knows the heart of God, who sees the hand of God moving, and is able to, to discern what God is doing in that generation and then to know how to respond to it. To, the sons of Issachar knew what Israel were to do as they knew what God was doing in their generation. And this is not some special group of people that, you know, is Gnostic and they have the secret mystery hidden puzzle that only they can figure out. This is available to all of us because God is not playing peekaboo with his people. God is not playing hide and seek with his people. God is speaking to those that are pressing in to hear from him, and he wants to share with us what he's doing. And so from the passage in Isaiah 42, let me just tell you what God will do. 
What is God going to do? What is God doing? What God will do in our generation? First of all, it, the, verses 5 and 6 from Isaiah 42 indicate that he will draw us all nearer to him. It says, Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it. He says that I'm the one who gives breath to the people on earth. I give spirit or life to those who walk on earth. And then in verse 6 he says, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness. One of the things that God is doing right now, and he's doing it to some of you that are listening, and he's doing it daily. He's calling you in righteousness. He's calling your name. He's drawing you nearer to him day in, day out. You're becoming more and more dissatisfied with the status quo version of the faith that you you see what's going on in the, the average church, and I'm speaking primarily to Americans here, the average church in America. I'm in the Bible Belt. I know about what goes on in churches in the Bible Belt. And there's such a systemic cultural stronghold of, of bland Christianity. And God's saying, I'm done with that. I am done with the appeasement of my people, allowing them to continue in status quo Christianity. I am calling you near to me. I'm calling you into my bosom. I'm calling you into my heart. I'm calling you to come closer to me. And I'm calling you to do it in righteousness. And guys, that has a practical impact. In other words, I'm calling you to live righteously, whether you're in the spotlight or out of the spotlight, whether you're in public or you're in private. I'm calling you to integrity. I'm calling you to a lifestyle that matches what you say you believe. You do believe it, therefore live it. This is who you are. You are righteous in Jesus Christ. You are covered by his blood. You are justified before me. You are accepted by me. You are completed in my son, Jesus. Therefore, come to me in righteousness. Come to me with an upright heart towards me. Come to me with no um, dissonance between you and your fellow Christians. So first of all, God will draw us all nearer in these days in which we are living. And the second thing that I see in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 42 is that he's going to lead his people in love and power. So he says here, I will take you by the hand and keep you. Just remember this. As he's calling us in righteousness, just remember he receives us. So he's not you know, barking at us from a distance saying, get your act together and then come to me. He's saying, come to me in desperation and dependence. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will secure you. I will guard you. It's always grace. It's always grace. It's never that we merit the favor of God based on our performance or how righteous and holy we are. It's just that that righteousness and holiness brings us into the place where the favor of God falls, where the blessing of the Lord lands. And he says, when you come to me in righteousness, I want you to know something that I'm going to lead you in love. I'm going to lead you also in power. I'm going to take you by the hand. That's love. That's affection. That's intimacy. That's personal relationship, not just theological understanding of God, but personal encounter of God. And it's expressed by the phrase, I will take you by the hand. It denotes intimacy, connection, fellowship, presence. And he says, I'm going to keep you. And then he's going to receive us, as he says, taking you by the hand and keep you, but he's also going to release us. He says in verse number seven, end of verse number six, and then verse seven, he says, I'm going to give you, and he's speaking to Israel historically here, I'm going to give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. You will open the eyes that are blind, bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. From those prisons, you will bring out those who sit 
in darkness. Now that was God's covenant with Israel. That was his commission to Israel that they were to be, they would be through Messiah, a light to the Gentiles, a light for the nations. And how much more is that true for the church of the living God? For those of us that are blood-bought, he's going to lead us in love by taking us by the hand, but he's also going to lead us in power. He's going to release us. Jesus said it this way. Isaiah writes, you know, Israel, you're going to be a light for the nations. Jesus then just applies that in his teaching to his disciples when he says, "You're, you're going to be the light of the earth. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And of course, he talks to them about, you know, you don't light a candle and put it under a basket. Jesus once said, I am the light of the world. He said that of himself. But then he says to his disciples, you are the light of the world. And so the people of God are released under the nations. We're released into our culture. We're released into our community. You can make it as simple as released into your family, released into your school, released into your business, released into your, your place you work for somebody else, released into your church, released into the streets, the highways and the hedges of your community. Why? Why would he do that? Because he's going to use us to open the eyes that are spiritually blind. He's going to use you for that. That's what he wants to do. You're a light bearer. You're going to bring light to the darkness, the spiritual darkness. You you let your light shine. You find that in the secret place. You leave the secret place. You go out in power as God leads you. And the result is that the blind, and I believe we can apply this physically as well as spiritually. It doesn't have to be limited to spiritual blindness. I believe we can open blind eyes. I believe that we bring healing to the nations. We bring power not in word only, but in power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. But we bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and from those who sit in darkness. That's the picture that God says. He says, I want to use you. Yes, you, right where you are. Not some spiritual superstar, not some Instagram preacher, not the dude on TV who's all slick and everything. I want to use you in your simplicity, in your brokenness, in your weakness, in your intimidation, in your imperfection. But if you will come and let me lead you by the hand, and you will spend intimate time with me, I'm going to release you in power. So that's one of the things we need to be aware of. Um, there are no superstars in the body of Christ. There are blood-bought sinners who are now saints and children of God, and we are to all walk in the power of that identity. And we're not to sit around and pay the professionals to be the light of the world and to bring prisoners out of darkness. We're to be those people. Now, this is really important. Verse 8, to me, is the pivotal verse in Isaiah 42. Um, Let me just make sure we all are on the same page. What will God do in this generation? God will secure glory for himself alone. That's verse 8. God will secure glory for himself alone. This is how he says it. I am Yahweh. I am the Lord. That is my name. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to carved idols. Come on now. This is the generation that is going hard after the glory of God. This is the generation that is fed up with man glory. This is the generation that is so sick of pretense and all of the nauseating uh, portrayals of Christianity. We are the people who say, no, the glory must rest with God. It must be his name, the Lord alone. Yeshua, Jesus Christ, the Lord, all glory, all praise, all honor to him. That's what God's doing in this generation. God is bringing down the glory of man. 
God is now allowing us, and in Israel's day, they, they had the potential and the activity of worshiping carved idols from the pagan nations. And God said, that's it. That's enough. I am not giving the glory that belongs to me. I'm not going to allow you to give it to a carved idol. And so that is still the heartbeat of God. God hates our worship of things and people. And so what does God do? God makes himself undeniably the focus of our glorying, our praise, our worship, our lives. Friends, you've got to hear me on this. God is a jealous God, and he's the only entity in existence that can be jealous and it not be sin. And the reason why is because he alone is worthy of every praise, all glory, all worship. His glory he does not share. He, he actually cares when we glory in people. He actually cares when he's not the centermost being in our thoughts and our lives and our commitments and our wills, that he fights any glory. And if you're living for your own glory, he will fight you. It's very possible that some of you are listening are in the midst of a difficult season because God is breaking you of self-serving, self-worship, self-preservation, self-promotion, that he's working against it. It doesn't make him a mean, scary God. It just means this. He's true to his word. And he says, I am securing glory for myself alone. At the end of the age, the, the theme of eternity is Jesus Christ is the glorious one. We worship him. We bow down before the risen lamb of God. Every angel, every redeemed saint glories in Jesus for all of eternity. It is the glory of God that lights the eternal city. And so God is not waiting for us to get that when we get to glory. He's saying that I want you to get it now and I want you to live your life by faith on earth for my glory. That's why we're told to deny ourselves. You, you, you will glorify yourself if you don't deny yourself. It's inevitable. That will happen. It may not be you know, extravagant and obvious, but you will live with a little heart full of self. And God says, no, I don't, I don't give my praise to anything else. I don't allow my glory to go to another. I am magnifying my name. I am about the exaltation of who I am because I am the eternal God of heaven. Let me give you the fourth of uh, five things and we'll wrap up here. Um, what will God do at the end of the age? He will secure glory for himself alone. He will lead his people in love and power. He will draw all of us nearer. And he will release prophecy and praise. Now, you need to hear me. Some of you that listen, y'all, y'all just flake out every time I mention prophecy or the gifts of the Spirit. But listen, this is a theme of the end of the age. We've got to get this. Quit, quit, quit card, uh, cordoning God off in the element of prophecy and supernatural works. Quit saying, yeah, that stopped at the book of Acts or stopped at the end of the first century. Just listen to the word because he's the God who never changes. And so from Isaiah 42 and verse 9, I, I think we can imply this easily, that God's going to release the prophetic word. And I think he's doing it right now. I think he's doing it in this season. You may even be doing it right now to you through this podcast. This may be hitting you in your spirit because there's a, there's a touch of a prophetic anointing on it. He says, behold, the former things have come to pass and new things I now declare. And then he says, before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That, that's prophetic ministry. God ministers prophetically. What does that mean? He prophesies. He says, here's what's going to happen. He says, the things that have already happened have happened. 
the, the former things have come to pass. The things I told you about, they came to pass. And he says, now I'm sharing new things, new things I now declare to you, Isaiah 42, 9. And before they spring forth, I tell you of them. That is prophetic ministry. When the Holy Spirit begins to move in a generation, the spirit of prophecy will happen. And of course, there'll be counterfeits. There'll be false prophets. There'll be false prophecies. There will be you know, good people, well-intended, that miss it. That's going to happen. But don't let all of the error and the mishandling of prophetic ministry sour you on the reality that there is true prophetic ministry all the way through the end of the age. That God's going to be saying, these are the things I'm doing. These are the things I'm going to do. Now, listen, we have the written revelation. I'm a Bible guy. Don't, don't make me choose between my written Bible and the prophetic ministry of the Holy Spirit. They're both valid. And when God says, I'm going to do something new, and before I do it, I'm going to tell you about it, that is prophetic ministry. And it's so crucial for us to be in a place where we can both be potentially those who receive and release prophetic words, but also those who, who <laughs> recognize that it's not just for the super prophets. Listen, when you read through 1 Corinthians, it's very clear that people that were there, average Joe Christian, they were operating in the gift of prophecy, and God still does that. And so he's raising up a band of prophets. I'm praying that some of our millennials and Gen Z will get so holy and consecrated and get serious about their walk with Jesus and quit giving their lives to the sensual, meaningless things of earth and start getting in the secret place with God, and you'll hear the voice of God. And I'm praying that God will raise up thousands of fiery young prophets in this generation. And so he's going to be releasing prophetic words. And we have to be wise to test prophecies. First Thessalonians 5, test prophecies and hold to that which is good. But it's not just prophecy, it's praise. He says in verse 10, sing to the Lord a new song. His praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea, all that fills it, the coastlands and their inhabitants. God likes worship. God likes praise. God likes singing. Listen, God likes us to sing in unison. For all you worship leaders out there, I want you to know something. You need to be leading congregations in songs they can sing because we can't praise him when we're gathered together unless we're all aware and praising together in unity. We can't do that if we don't have the words. And so we can worship individually when we gather together, but we can't praise him corporately unless we're singing the same words, unless we're singing the same songs. And God likes unified worship. He likes to hear our combined voices magnifying him. And so worship leaders, write songs of praise that people can sing. Don't just sit and worship by yourself. God, help us in the name of Jesus, Lord. Raise up some people who will write songs that the church can sing together. God, do this. God, break us. I pray in the name of Jesus. God, break us of our individualized, self-focused worship moments. And God, bring us back to a unified voice, many voices becoming one in praise. God wants to sing us to sing a new song to him, fresh, new. I appreciate the old songs, but they are old. They had their place. They had their meaning. Yes, they can still strike a chord within our heart. But what does God sing? What does he want us to sing now? We need to discern what he's saying, discern what he's doing, put it into song, and let's sing about what the Lord is doing. Where are the songwriters? Where are the musicians? Where are those that can, can take the poetic, artistic gift that God has put, it in, put in them and release a song into the nations, release a song 
uh, for this generation. Well, let me finish up. I'm going to finish up with verse 16 because my time's gone. The last thing that I want to highlight uh, that God is going to do, that he's doing, but he's going to do. It's going to be measurable. It's going to be quantifiable. It's going to be visible. He's going to release prophecy and praise. He's going to secure glory for himself alone. He's going to lead his people in love and power. He's going to draw us all nearer. And then in verse 16, I just see this. He's going to empower revival and reversals. He's going to empower revival and reversals. Verse 16 speaks of these new pathways. He says, I will lead the blind in a way that they do not know. In paths that they have not known, I will guide them. I love that. God's going to be opening up new pathways. He's going to take you and others in a way that you've never known before. That in essence, you've been blind to it. You've never seen it. You've never envisioned it. You've, you've never walked upon it. You don't know where it leads. It speaks of faith. It speaks of you being led of the Lord because you are pursuing him in righteousness. You're trusting him in faith. You're obeying him in humility. You're not demanding. You're not listing what you want him to do. You're saying yes to whatever it is that he wants to do. And because of that, he's going to lead you in a way that you do not know in paths that you have not known. He's going to guide you. Listen to me. I just feel this right now. Some of you need to go ahead and recognize God's about to do something in your life that makes no sense. Let me prophesy over you for a second. He's about to lead you in ways and cause you to walk in ways that you've never known before. You're going to go to places you've never been before. You're going to meet people that you've never connected with before. He's going to call you to assignments that you have no experience in. You have no skill in. You are in over your head on day one, and he's going to say, this is my will for you. Friends, that's what faith is. Faith means that you're going to trust God as he leads you into a place where you are not equipped and qualified. You cannot predict, control, manage, or manipulate anything. And he's saying, no, this is where I want to take you because as I take you to this place and I call you to this assignment that you are not ready for, it's going to compel you to know how much you need me. And when you know that you need me, you're going to press into me more um, intently than you ever have before. And frankly, my child, I love you, but I don't need your works. I don't need your gifts. I don't need your abilities. I'm fine without all of that. But my real goal is I want you close to me. I want you pressing into me. I want nearness with you. I love you. I want you to spend time with me. And in order for that to occur, I'm going to bring you into a place where you are forced to depend on me day by day, maybe even hour by hour. Now, listen, that's love, man. Love says, uh, I want what's best for you. Love seeks the highest good of the other person. And sometimes God says, you're going to feel like a blind person walking on this way. But don't forget, because he said earlier in these verses, I've got you by the hand. I'm leading you. I'm with you. You may not see or understand or discern everything that I'm going to do. But in paths that you have not known, I am your guide. I love that. So if you're in over your head, if you're, if you're in a place where you don't know what, what in the world the outcome is going to be, you just need to retain the confidence that God is with you. He's with you. He hasn't abandoned you. He actually led you there. Maybe you even made mistakes that got you into the situation you're in. Well, that's okay because God is with you. You're his child. He's got you by the hand. And then the last part of verse 16 says this, that it just basically says God's restoring what's been lost. That's what he's doing right now. He's restoring what has been lost for so many people. He says, I'll turn the darkness before them into light. 
That's a reversal. I will turn the darkness before them into light, the rough places into level ground. That's a reversal. These are the things that I do, God says, and I do not forsake them. I love that, man. It's so plain. God says, this is what I do. This is what I do. I take the the messed up places full of brokenness and rubble, and I make them smooth. I make them plain. I, I, I bring down the obstacles. I tear away the things that are blocking your path. I, where you can't pass by, I make a way that you can pass by. And then he says, in, in those dark places, remember he said, I'm going to lead the blind in a way that they don't know, in paths that they don't know, I've, I'm going to guide them. He says, I'm going to take that darkness. When you start walking by faith into what you can't see, the darkness, I am going to turn it into light. It's a beautiful promise. It's a reversal. God says, you've been operating in darkness. You've been, and I'm not talking about spiritual wickedness, darkness. It's just, it speaks of not being able to see a vulnerable place, a hesitant place, a place where you're just not sure what the Lord is doing. God says, I'm going to take that darkness. I'm going to blaze it with light. Keep walking. Keep moving. These are the things that I do. Follow me. Keep holding my hand. I'm holding your hand. I am your guide. I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I won't forget about you, but you have to keep walking. Even when you don't know where it's leading, you have to know that I'm with you and I'm calling you. This is what I do. Oh man, I've just encouraged myself through Psalm, excuse me, through uh, Isaiah 42. And and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. Um, This is what God will do. And friends, you just make this personal and appropriate it for yourself. Don't let it be for the other guy. Don't leave this podcast just feeling a fresh moment of wind and then go right back into not trusting God or not pressing in or going back to self-glory or any of that. Go ahead and make some changes in your life and call on the Holy Spirit to help you with it. So my time's gone. As always, I want to point you to our umbrella website. That's transformingtruth.org. Hey, listen, if you haven't gotten a copy of my book, get a copy of my book. Help us right now. I'm going to donate half of the proceeds from book sales in the upcoming months to missions work. And so you get a copy of my book, figuring it out as I go. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on audible.com. You can get it right there off the transforming truth website. Or if if you want to just go to jefflyle.com, it'll take you right to the book page, get a copy of that book. And even if you've already got a copy, get another copy, give it away. It's a book about the testimony of God transforming my life over and over again, as I've had to figure things out as I go. That's the name of the book, figuring it out as I go, but help me to, um, help, uh, my friends in Africa that we can donate some of the proceeds to go straight to Kenya where we are helping a pastor in particular there with the work that he's doing. I want to raise some money for him. And so it's not just about selling books. It's about investing in the kingdom. So go to jefflyle.com, order a copy of the book. There's also a book there, a revival devotional called Igniting Revival Fires, produced by Todd Smith. And I wrote a chapter in there along with a lot of other uh, authors and leaders in the kingdom in the United States. And listen, fill your mind with that which is good. Press in. Listen to those that have walked a little bit further than you or a little bit ahead of you and benefit from the things that they've learned, the mistakes that they've made. That's what about reading is all about. You're investing in your own walk. We encourage you to get a copy of it. All right, I'm going a little bit long again. That's just what I do. I go a little bit long. That's just the nature of of my ministry, and I'm glad that you've hung in there. We'll be back with another episode in a couple of days. So signing off, God bless you. We'll talk to you next time. 
Thank you for listening to today's Mavericks and Misfits podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review Mavericks and Misfits with Jeff Lyle on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Your review helps us to reach more people and spread the unfiltered message of Jesus. And don't forget that you can connect with Jeff's social media links at maverickmisfit.com. We look forward to reconnecting with you on our next episode.